Thank you for listening to the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church to do lifestyle ministry. We pray it will help you as well. So we had a great discussion in our uh, gospel group a few weeks ago that talked about um, that, you know, almost the need to be able to, you know, publicly portray, at least to your children, that you're giving but you're not sounding the trumpet for everybody else, right? And I laugh because if you've ever been in, in sur- some third world countries, well, not even third world countries, I've been in churches in the States where when it's giving time, it's not that the plate is passed, you get out of your seat and you go drop it in the bucket. Uh, I, I saw this first in a third world country, but then I've seen it in some churches here, and there's just like a little bit of pressure for you to get up and do something, right? Um, and, and so there is this balance, and so... You know, with, with the kids here, uh, Lindsay and Joy, they have a lot of opportunities for the kids to say, okay, you're going to be giving towards this. The boys were just talking about ways that they were giving and certain things with the youth and whatnot. But it is it was an interesting conversation because you sit down and you start thinking about, I, I, I really thought like, so when did I like catch on to the fact that we gave as a family growing up, you know? And, and how, how do you see that or at least portray that without it also being something going against what Jesus said here. And so there is this sense of, I think there's such a need for families to almost say, okay, this is something that we do. You know, this is a part, because I even thought about it for the longest time I've done online, because typically I'm involved in a service and I'm going to forget it. So I, I, I do it online, but then I go, even when I do that, like I don't want giving to be something that's just in the stack of bills that I pay every month. It's a different thing. It's an act of worship, right? You know? And there, there can be a sense of just like going, going through this and going through this and going through this and like saying, hey, it's a part of that. But like as I'm giving it, am I, am I praying about God? God use it, right? And I think to, to Keith's point, there is this sense of as we give, yes, that's a part of it. And I can't think, and especially we can, you know, as a Southern Baptist, I can't think of a better use of when you give to any organization, all the places that it hits. If we think about the cooperative program and where it goes and while most of you never have been introduced to Taylor and Jessica until today, we've been helping support them if you've ever given to a Southern Baptist church all your life. You've been able to be a part of it, even if you, now you see a face, right? And so it's wonderful, but yet um, a lot of times in giving, it's kind of that we, we kind of think of certain ways as almost the, the ceiling rather than the floor, right? It's like, okay, well, I, I've done this, I'm giving that, that's enough. But then there are also those opportunities that we have to give to other people. And so I think finding out that right balance is, is so very important. Uh, we think about the strategy of generosity I want us to look at today. And look what Jesus said. Yes. Yes. Because actually, you know, you talk about giving online, but there is a process to actually writing a check and thinking about what you're doing every week. Yep, yep. And, you know, when we went through this, I mechanized it. So it just, the bank automatically sure. does it. Yep. So I don't even have to think about it. Right. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of it, it's kind of like where your heart is, because for me, I'm looking at it and say, yeah, it, it, it's just it's, it's out of sight, out of mind, which is a good obedience. I'm thinking the Lord would go, hey, way to go. But it, yeah, it could check the box versus saying and, and I'm the same way because I feel like even as a pastor, I, I don't want to think about it on a Sunday. Let me do it another time. But like I go. If I'm telling people it's an act of worship, do I really mean it's an act of worship? You know, there's this part of time of doing it, right? And so with, you know, we're, um, we're preparing to have our first communion here in a couple of weeks since COVID, right? <gasps> Everybody brace for impact, right? But 
offering plates were a big deal when all this happened. Like, I don't want to be passing these plates around and, you know, somebody touching stuff, okay? We rethink how to do stuff, right? And so it, it is challenging, but in the midst of it, um, you know, I think that uh, when, when COVID hit, uh, I think most of y'all know this, I, I told everybody on staff that first Monday, I said, freeze every unnecessary spending, turn all the HVAC units on the hallways we're not using, you know, brace for impact, folks, because you didn't know, right? You didn't know what was going to happen. And, and people continue to give. And I, at first I thought we were an anomaly. I found that most healthy, medium-sized churches were doing very, very well in the midst of this pandemic. I think we were doing really well, but I think it wasn't like we were just unique. Uh, but people gave, and it was kind of surprising, right? But it, it was a thing of uh, a lot of people say, well, if we just do online giving, no one's going to think about it. You've got to remind everybody. You've got to guilt people. Some of y'all been in a church before. If you've been here, you, you know what I'm talking about where they'll, they'll count before the service is over. And sometimes I've been to church service where someone says, y'all can do better than that. We're going to pass the plates one more time. Now, some of y'all have been there in that. And so uh, I, I know that, that pressure is not exactly what we're after here, right? Um, but it is a good reminder of what Jesus has called us to. Uh, just as a reminder, as we, we look at this passage again uh, from the Sermon on the Mount today on Jesus on Generosity, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Uh, and then he starts in verse 2, as he's going to do throughout this chapter, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, assuming you're going to do these things, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to uh, the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so um, in this, Jesus, once again, teaching us that we're not, shouldn't be looking for anybody's approval other than God's when we give, right? And so to be able to find, we're not looking for anybody's approval, I'm not looking for um, anyone in this world to say good job. I want God to say good job to what I'm giving. I want only him to know that. Uh, and so when you do, you're not even letting other people know about it. Um, I don't know if any of you have experienced some, something like this, but um, on, I guess it was Friday, maybe, um, I was picking up some biscuits for the family, was in the Bojangles line, and I uh, get through, get, and, they were, and, and they were having a little challenge getting the order together, but uh, I remember the lady said, the person in front of you just paid for your biscuits. I said, really? That's awesome. And then she looks at me, she says, do you want to pay for the car behind you? And I was like, hold on, hold on now. I said, what did they order? Okay, like my first, my first cheapskate inclination, right? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm confessional time, okay? I just said, How, what's their order like? Well, it turned out it was less than ours, and I felt really bad for asking. I just wanted to know. I want to make sure somebody wasn't picking up a party pack or something, okay? And, uh, and I said, but she was excited. She was like, maybe this is going to continue to go, right? I said, sure, I'll pay for the people next to me. And then I got home. Y'all won't believe it. My biscuit was missing. So help me. I didn't even check the bag because I was so moved by the generosity. I thought, surely this is of God. And it was something. So uh, I missed it. That's, that's what I get for doing it, right? It's what I get. I should never have asked, but um, yeah, that's right. I did get what I paid for. It's it closer to it, right? So, um, 
But with this, you know, when, when someone does an, an act like this, as mentioned, when you give to the needy, sometimes it is giving to the church, and I don't want anybody to know anything. You don't need to name a pew after me. You don't need to name a stained glass after me. You don't name a building after me. I just want to give. I just want to give. I want to be generous. I want to use what God's given, and I want. But even when there are needs that are present, can you go and meet those needs, right? Can you find those things? Yes, sir. Yeah, giving is to glorify the Father. That's where it's at, right? Not to glorify ourselves, but we've all seen that type of thing, right? But to glorify our Father. Someone asked me recently, they said, so how does this go into when uh, buildings are named after people on institution campuses and whatnot like that? And I said, that's a great question, right? Okay, but I don't think most people are thinking about Jesus' words when they do that, right? It's a leading gift, and you're, if you give this much money, your name's going to be plastered on this building for years to come, right? And this is kind of what Jesus is saying to give, is that to be very careful in it. In Luke chapter 21, I, I wanted to look at this passage of Scripture too, because I think it's so helpful to understand the heart of giving. It says one point, and this whole passage is just so intriguing to see Jesus do what he's doing here. It says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. <laughs> They're walking down the aisle, right? They're throwing it in there. He sees it, verse 2. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So here are these two pictures. I think it is very intriguing to see that Jesus is watching the offering. Okay, just like watching it go down. And he sees the rich people throwing it in. And then it says, verse 2, he saw a poor widow put in two small, it's funny to say copper coins. They're small copper coins, right? They just, this is as little as littles can get. And he said, she's put in more than all of them. And all of us would say, well, okay, yes, in some ways, but they're giving a lot, right? But, but. And then he, he, he explains it. They all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And this is the question I want you to think about. How do you visualize the rich people in this narrative? The way that Jesus speaks? How do you visualize them? If I were to ask you to draw them on your sheet of paper and turn it into class, which I'm not going to ask you to do, but if you were to draw these rich people, uh, how do you visualize them? What do they look like to you? Were there big hats? Yeah, robes, really fancy clothing on. Yep. Yeah. Oh, make it clank. Yeah. Yeah. So instead of putting in a dollar, put in a hundred pennies and you go, wow, listen to all that drop in, man. That's a lot of money there, right? Yep. So, so in this, but typically the way they say it, it goes, here are these rich people, they're coming in. He's seen them putting their gifts. But, but this is, the, the, sec, the follow-up question is this, what does the poor widow look like in your mind? Jesus says, poor widow, two small copper coins. When you typically think of how this lady looked when she dropped those coins in, what do you visualize her face typically looking like? Old? It's <laughs> the Russian commercials, right? Well, the Russian people don't have anything. Don't have anything. Yeah. So, uh, happy look or sad look? 
oh, depressed, just like, oh, this is going to hurt, right? We think through that, and this is what, I was reading a book that was so helpful because it made me realize that I have looked at this passage wrong my entire life based on this next question, right? Would Jesus have bragged on a woman that looked miserable in obedience? We, we typically think this poor widow, oh, this is, she must look awful and miserable and depressed and she looks feeble and just, do you think Jesus would go, look at this miserable woman, <laughs> be like her? No, not a chance. Because, yeah, she was happy, right? She has to, that, that if we think through it, but when I read it, it says, poor widow put in two small copper coins. He said, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. She put in all she had to live on. So I see it almost as this expression of, here we go. I'm dropping in. This is going to be hard. And I'm just doing it because I'm supposed to. But I'm miserable in doing it. And, and oh no, what's going to happen when I get home? And yet, we know that throughout Scripture, it says that God loves a what type of giver? Cheerful giver. So if Jesus is bragging on her, I must think she didn't look miserable when she was doing it. Um, Jesus recognizes the attitude more than the amount, Right? When it comes to giving, Jesus recognizes the attitude more than the amount. When we look at this passage of Scripture, he is saying that this woman, because of her attitude, gave more than even a higher amount because of these guys, the rich, right? Um, So practically speaking, uh, it would be different, all right? Um, I just was walking down the hall and talking to some of the North Greenville students, right? And I know college students always brag about how poor they are, and yet they're going to private school and wearing North Face jackets and driving cars on their iPhones. I know that, right? Okay. But there is a sense that they will say, I don't have a lot of extra income that I can just you know, buy a bunch of stuff on. I get that. So for a college student to put $1,000 in an offering box today would be different than someone who has a very high-paying job putting in $1,000 or even $2,000, right? So, so someone who's richer could put in more, but God could go, whoa, that was a sacrifice there. Where this one, the same amount may not be a sacrifice for other people. So with these eyes of Jesus looking at it, I think it's so unique because Jesus is saying, I can see through this. And even while Jesus may not be physically perched right outside in the online area or when we're giving in our boxes, this picture of God sees what we give. Even if nobody else does, God sees it, and he knows kind of where our heart is, and he recognizes the attitude more than the amount. And what was so helpful, um, you see there in the next section on biblical principles for giving, that this is a list from the Money Challenge by Art Rayner. This is a little book that I read that helped me um, think through that passage because he said, all of my life I've always pictured that widow as looking miserable, as looking painful when she gave it. And he said, and then it, it, it got open my eyes to go, no, she, she couldn't have. Not if Jesus was, was uh, it, putting her up as the example. And, and so this little book, uh, Art Rayner, if you've ever read anything by Tom Rayner, this is Tom's son. He's church growth expert, written all these books on church growth. Art Rayner, this little book on the money challenge, I would probably say is the top book that I would give somebody on biblical finances right now. And, and that's me that the first one I ever read as a 20-year-old was Dave Ramsey, and he set me straight on a bunch of stuff. But I think also y'all would know Dave Ramsey uses a lot of great principles, and we use some Bible verses to kind of support that, where he's going to say, let me look at this from a biblical perspective and then bring in the principles, right? Um, in the book, it's a small book, easy to read, but every chapter kind of 
starts off with this narrative where he unpacks a little bit about this person who's learning the biblical principles and they unpack it. But I, I think it's one of the most helpful reads that I've ever had. And so uh, in one of the chapters, he gives some principles here that I think are really helpful that I am completely using from his book. and want to give him credit for it. But the first principle one is this, is that giving is to be a priority. For, for us as people of God, giving is to be a priority. Uh, it shouldn't be something that you just be getting around to when we can. Um, and as part of, uh, anytime I do premarital counseling, I will talk to a couple and we'll talk through about, I go through Genesis 1 through 3 and we unpack different parts of it and I'll talk about finances. And one of the things I talk about finances is about giving early on. And they'll go, oh, we don't have enough to give. I go, hold on. Because right now, if you feel like you only have this much and you, don't, you can't afford to give, guess what's going to happen when you start making more money? That money's going to go somewhere. And it's better for you to start off giving sacrificially, giving a tithe, whatever, when you just start. Because if you get that into your practice, then the more that you make, it just becomes that this is kind of where things go, right? But if you set yourself up to, I don't need to worry about, even, even if we go to 10%, right? Even if you can't start there, guess what happens? To do that in two years or five years or 10 years seems painful because you go, I can't do it. How are we going to afford all these car payments and, and this thing we do and this trip over here? Like you can't do it. And so I will tell people at your very poorest, lowest moment, you better start giving. Put that into your rhythm because if you don't, it's, it's not going to happen later. You'll find all kinds of reasons why, why you shouldn't do it. Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. So he says, honor the Lord with your wealth. And obviously there's the portion that we give back to him. There's the portion that we give to the needy, but he's saying in all areas that you can honor the Lord with your wealth. Let me ask you a question. Do we honor the Lord with our wealth as we provide for our families? Yes. Do you honor the Lord with your wealth? If you are, I mean, uh, Paul told Timothy that if you don't care for the people in your household, you're worse than an unbeliever. So honoring the Lord with your wealth is providing for your family. Honoring the Lord with your wealth might be taking care of your parents. Honoring the Lord with your wealth might decide you're going to help somebody who is needy. All of those things can honor the Lord. And so with it, uh, and also, I, I don't think, um, I've mentioned this before, but a real easy target is the prosperity gospel right now in, in the world where uh, basically it works in only a couple of countries in the world, but that if you do a certain way, God is going to, if you give, God's going to give back to you. And if you, and basically, typically it'll, it'll sound something like this, uh, a ministry leader saying, I need to buy a jet so I can go to different places and share the gospel. And on this plane, I can't get there as fast as you know I can in this jet. And if you'll give to this jet, if you'll sacrifice God is going you have put God on the mark. He has to give back to you. So in fact, I, I'm asking some of you right now, you don't have a thousand dollars? That's fine. You put a thousand dollars and you have just trapped God in and he has to give you ten thousand dollars. I've heard him say it. If you have not watched it, you you don't have the money? Listen right now. If you just give a thousand dollars to what I'm doing right now, God will have to give you ten thousand dollars. And guess what? A lot of planes being uh, bought, a lot of rich people getting richer, and poor people getting poorer on these kind of schemes. And, um, and so with that, honoring the Lord with our wealth means that every aspect that we're not putting God, somehow we're trapping him. It's just saying, God, you've given us. And so even the first fruits of all your produce, all, all the stuff God's given me, it's going, I want to give first fruits, not last fruits, not leftovers, right? So first and foremost. So when people ask, they said, well, 
you know, do you do the gross income or net income? I would just say, I think I would always start with the gross. You can't go wrong with being generous, okay? You know, it's not how little I can give. Uh, I want to say, how, how much can, can I give? And so you honor it with the first fruits of all your produce, not after Uncle Sam has taken away all that you have and then see what you have left, right? So what, what can I do first and foremost? And um, I have realized this, at least in the testimony of our lives, that when, when you are faithful to God, that he, Psalm 37, 25 says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. I've seen God just take care of our needs time and time again. Uh, probably many of us in this room can think back to times when you go, I don't know how he met that need, but he met it. He did. And, uh, and I've seen that in my life. Principle number two is uh, giving is to be done proportionally. Giving is to be done proportionally. And, and what that means is, um, praise be to God, he does not give a number that all of us have to hit financially to be something that he says is well done in the giving department. Uh, if, if God said, you have to give $10,000 to really you know, be recognized in the kingdom, a lot of college students will go, uh-oh. A lot of people who struggle financially go, uh-oh, I, I can't do that. He doesn't say a set amount. He says proportionally. And that's why in the Old Testament uh, is a great uh, example of the tithe, which means 10%. It's, it's a, well, 10% of what? Of what you have, not what other people have, what, what you specifically have. It's just a good proportional, it, it's an equalizer across all the way. And so uh, Numbers 18.24 says, For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I have said of them that they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. So if you remember all the different tribes of people, Levi, those people were supposed to be the worship leaders, the priests, the pastors, if you will. They take care of the spiritual stuff. And when uh, Joshua and them were handing out all the land to all the people, they look at Levi and say, where are our land? And they go, you don't get land. They went, what? <laughs> you don't get an inheritance. But guess what you get? You get the Lord. And they go, where are we going to stay? And he said, everybody else is going to take care of that for you. You, you focus on this, and, and then when that stuff's brought in, it's going to allow you to do that and not having to worry about it. And so the, it's given to the Levites for inheritance. And so what happens here is when poor, middle class, rich people all do the tithe, guess what? The work of the ministry is funded by everybody doing the same proportional work, but not all the same amount. And yet, you pull all that together, it's amazing what God can do. Um, I have done this uh, research before, and I think it it's, can be interesting and also frustrating at a certain time. But if you were to look at uh, even where I would say a church that is as healthy as we are financially, and how people are very generous, uh, I have done a study before. If you take the giving units in our church, right? So not like in our house there's five people as members, but like we're one giving unit. And if you were to take giving units within our church, and if you were to say, let's just take the average Greenville income, and if we just tithed on that, what should our budget be? It's shocking. It's shocking. Because you, you think, oh, we're doing good. And then I also know this. Most of the people in our church that are giving units are not the average Greenville income. When you think about where the bottom is and where the top is, we're not average. We're, we would be upper, right, above average. And so if you go... Uh, so, and sometimes I've, I've done this exercise with churches to say, if just your giving units were just tithing on the average city income, what would your budget be? And it can be shocking. It really can be. 
And so once again, I love in God's economy the way he put it together. It's not on a few people giving a lot. It's not on everybody giving the same amount, but it's giving everybody the same percentage as a good starting place to it. And, you know, once again, I've had so many people come to me and say, oh, well, tithing is an Old Testament principle. We don't have to do it anymore. And I go, you're right. Let's go to the New Testament where they sold everything they had and gave it away. They're like, I like the tithe. I said, okay, well, that, there's a good start, right? It's a good, healthy start. Uh, and then you can determine what you do after that. Principle number three, uh, giving is to be done sacrificially. Giving is to be done sacrificially. Uh, anytime when we give, we are saying we are choosing to do this instead of something else I want to get, right? And, and Taylor mentioned in the 5 o'clock service today, but, you know, it's going to be interesting to see in the years to come that if tax benefits are not giving to individual givers because of giving to nonprofits, what happens to churches and nonprofits in the days to come? It'll be interesting to see. Because back, and I know some even the tax laws have changed the last couple of years, uh, standard deductions and whatnot, but some people do give to say, ah, I need a deduction somewhere. I'll just give to a charitable organization. That's how they give. Uh, but the giving should be an element of sacrificially because I, I want to give, right? Um, in 2 Samuel chapter 24, here's this interesting story. I'll summarize real quick if you remember. But David had gotten himself in trouble again. And, uh, he had, and, and some of his actions had caused, honestly, just a lot of consequences for all the people. And so he was trying to make things right, and so he was setting up a place. He found a spot where he wanted to build an altar and make a sacrifice to the Lord there to say he's sorry. And what happens is that he, he, he finds this place, this plot of land he wants to build the altar on, and a guy named Aruna owns it. Well, he sees King David coming up and all his you know robes and entourage and whatnot, and Aruna says, what are you here for? He goes, I want to buy that threshing floor there. I want to put down an altar and I want to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Well, Aruna did what probably every other person would do. Oh, King David, you can have it. You don't have to, listen, if that's what all you want, you just want that piece of land, it, it's yours, King. Just, just be nice to me when tax time comes, right? Remember, just, just remember, you don't have to buy it from me. And David's response to him, no, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. He's saying to offer something, something to the Lord, it should cost a little bit. It should hurt a little bit. It should be a, oh, if I could, to walk away from this means I, I could be doing this. And so that, that giving should be done sacrificially in such a way that it does cost something. Principle number four, uh, giving is to be done cheerfully. As mentioned before with this lady, uh, giving is to be done cheerfully. I don't think that God was bragging on someone that was miserable in the process. Um, I don't want, uh, it's, it's kind of like the example that I've, I've used before. If, if, if Amanda heard me say, here, I got you something nice for Valentine's Day. Hope you're happy about it. Well, what if it was really, what, would she be happy with me? Well, what if it was really nice? What if it was really expensive? If I have that attitude, she's not happy with me. If my kids say, fine, I'll clean my room even if I don't want to, okay, well, they did what I asked them to do, but I'm after their heart, right? I'm after their attitude, and I'm going to say, okay, you can do all the activities, but I want to see something different. So even in this, we have to be careful of going, okay, fine, God, I'll give. That's what you say to do, right? And God's going, oh, wow, I'm moved right here in my heart because of what you're doing. No, it, it should be something that is done cheerfully. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says, 
Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, what does a cheerful giver look like, right? It's going, ah, I love to throw money away, right? But I think some of us have probably known those generous people in our lives that they really do love to give. They love to serve. They are something, it, it brings joy to their hearts. Uh, and, and I think what God is after here is going, I, no matter what you give, you should be somewhat cheerful in it. It should be something that you have to do. It's not reluctantly, not under compulsion because somebody's making you do it. Eyes are on you. But know that there's a cheerful way that um, you can give, that you, you want to give. The example that uh, I, I would share with you guys, there are uh, two members that are no longer here with us, but uh, um, Louis Carver just passed away a few weeks ago, um, and his wife uh, Mary. Uh, when they when I first got here, Louis and Mary were been married. They've been on the mission field, served for decades in all kinds of different ways. Um, so if you don't know this, Louis, uh, even though he, he served as a pastor, a missionary, he also had his doctorate in counseling and whatnot, and would do some counseling here at the church. And so one of the first things, I remember walking around the, the building, I may have even asked Keith, I said, who's Dr. Louis Carver? There's a sign outside about calling if you need the counseling. I'm like, who is this guy? And he said, oh, that's one of our, our you know, counselors that, you know, he's got a room up here and he'll do counseling. And I was like, well, so we have a, a doctor counselor? Like, you know, he just kind of, he's like, yeah, he just kind of helps us. I'm like, this is awesome. Uh, so I, I wanted to meet Louis. So, you know, I started reading his credentials and hearing all about him. And so I guess I had in my mind what I thought Louie would, would be looking like the first time I saw him. And the first time I ever saw Louie, he um, came into my office and comes around the corner. And here's a senior adult with a pizza hat cap on, a black polo shirt with pizza uh, hut on, and it just black slacks. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> and he said, I'm Louie. And I was like, Dr. Carver. I said, what have you been doing? And he said, oh, he said, um... He goes, I, I deliver pizza just as an extra job. And I said, oh, really? I said, do you, do you just enjoy delivering pizza on Woodruff Road? <laughs> because that sounds like uh, really painful. And he goes, he, and he looked at me, he said, um, he said, I do it to kind of take care of, my wife has a lot of medical needs. And so this kind of helps meet some of the, the medical needs that she has. And um, Lou was in his 80s at this time delivering pizza. And, um, and so in the counseling part, he was just kind of doing as his ministry, and he was delivering pizza to, to take care of some of the medical needs, So, which I thought was awesome, beautiful. But what shocked me was probably a couple weeks later when I, f found, when I first met Mary, Lou was pushing Miss Mary in a wheelchair. And they came around the corner, and they were getting ready to go in a seat and whatnot, and she's talking to me. And so we meet, and I just, she's precious. We had a great time. And, and then she, she pulled something out, and she goes, now, I'm going to give something to you, preacher. And I said, okay, what's this? And she says, you got to promise me something. I said, what is it? She goes, you'll do with it what I ask you to do. Well, that's always nerve-wracking, okay? <laughs> when somebody asks you something like that, you got to promise that you're going to listen to me. I'm your elder, okay? I'm, I'm older than you, and you got to promise that whatever I say, you're going to do with this. And I said, I will try my heart. No, 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 you're going to promise me. I said, okay, what is it? And she said, um... This is a card that we want to give you, and I want you to promise that you'll take care of somebody with it. And I said, okay, well, what's this? She goes, I want you to take your family out and do something nice for them. I want you to take them out to eat. I want you all get something nice, and you do that on us. And I, and she's, and I opened up the card. There's a $100 bill in there. And I said, Miss Mary, I, I can't take this. And she said, you are going to listen. You promised me that you were going to do this. And she said, 
She said, we have served all of our life in ministry. And she said, sometimes you give and give and give, and sometimes you overlook your family. I want you to take your wife and your kids out, and I want you to get something nice to eat and do something nice on us, and just promise me you don't spend this on anybody but yourself. I said, yes, ma'am. Now, you see why this was so complicated for me because of the two things I knew about them. One is, Louie is working a Pizza Hut delivery job as an 80-year-old man with a doctorate to take care of his wife's medical needs, and he still wants to do something nice for his pastor. And, and, and that's called a cheerful giver. That, that's called something. Did they have a lot? Well, they had enough, but apparently they needed a little bit more, and yet they're still trying to find ways to give. And um, uh, Louie actually, I mean, I remember the night Mary called me. She said, you're going to have to help me. I can't find Louie. Louie's at the hospital. He got in a wreck delivering a pizza. And I thought, oh, no. I talked with Louie. And he didn't call it GPS. He just called it his GP. <laughs> he said, my GP told me to take a U-turn. I said, well, he said, I missed it. said, take a U-turn. I said, where were you? He goes, Woodruff Road. So I just listened to the GP, and I started doing a U-turn. I thought, oh, my goodness. And he was lucky he didn't die in this act. I mean, it was just, it, it was, and yet, delivering pizza, take care of his wife, and yet in the midst of it, they're looking for ways to, to serve people and give people. And so, like, I'll always, always remember just that attitude. Did they had, yes, God had been sufficient to take care of their needs, but they're also looking, how can we bless other people? Even though we're working hard to take care of our own needs, it was such a reminder of this cheerful giver. The issue of the tithe, which is always a good place, I always say that the tithe should be the floor and not the ceiling, right? Um, a lot of people, that is a goal that they feel like, oh, we can't even get to. But I always think that if you look at biblically, if you do look at the Old Testament, you do look at the New Testament, tithe should be the floor. It should be a starting place, but not the ending place necessarily. Uh, it may be the ending place, and that's a wonderful spot to be in, but it doesn't mean like, oh, I'm there, and if I see a needy person, I'll have to care for them. No, you just go, uh, what else can be done? How else can I, I serve? Um, I, I know of... Uh, you know, uh, different stories of people who've come into different wealth and they say, instead of giving 10%, I'm able to give 20% now or whatever, because I, I can live off this. And you go, that, that's incredible that, that people can do that. They look and say, I know I can't take this with me. How can I use it in such a way? Um, if you can't give a satisfactory amount, make a plan to get there. And this is one of the things, once again, I, I credit to Art Rayner that does a great idea and you can kind of see it laid out here. But his whole deal is, I always know that whenever we talk about something like this, someone is listening and going, oh, I can't get to the floor. <laughs> I can't even do the 10% of the Old Testament tithe. Like I, financially, I got too many things going on. And I, if I do that, I'm going to go in debt. I'm going to get a credit card. I'm not going to pay my bills, something like that. And um, I have known some people say, well, you just need to do the, the right thing and God will take care of it. And I would say, well, you probably also need to worry about the creditors uh, that are coming for you, right? And so with this, if you can't give satisfactory amount, make a plan to get there. Uh, what he says here is a very simple approach, but he says, okay, try to take the next year of your life and try to get there. And this may be more simplistic, but I, I do think it at least shows something to say in, in the first few months, we'll give 1% of your gross income to the local church. Just start there. And eventually, if you can get to months four and six, get up to 3% and, and find ways to do it. Uh, later on, get to 5% and then the 7% and eventually get to 10%. And it may take you more than 12 months, or, but to say, can I do that to at least find a process to get there versus I'm giving nothing, oh, I got to get to 10%. That is a shock to the financial system, okay? 
But could you slowly get there? Could you say, okay, let me start and, and get there a little bit more? And then to say 10%, then the, the forward giving aspect is continue to increase your generosity through the years. Um, I, I would love, I, I think through how um, first few international mission trips I ever got to be a part of, I only got to be a part of because God had blessed the people financially who had a heart for missions and for me, and they gave to it. And I remember writing support letter after support letter after support letter, and I was shocked at the people who gave and who didn't give. Always, always. There's some people you go, oh, they got lots of money. They're going to give a lot. And they didn't. And some people I gave because they said, will you send me one of those? And I go, they don't have a lot of money. They're not going to help. And I go, what in the world? You, you can't give that. There's no way. It, it's surprising. And then also, that type of generosity, what, what I think is so incredible is that when you get the opportunity to be able to start giving to other people, to be able to say, let, let me support this person on mission, to be able to go and, and help and support um, this different need I was just made aware of even this afternoon and thinking to myself, okay, uh, what is this that either our family or our gospel group, or, or is there a way that we can come alongside it? And this is not to replace anything else, but just to say, here's a need. Here's a needy person. Can we come alongside and help this and to see what God does? And so I think if we go all the way back to what Jesus said, right? We're not practicing our righteousness to be noticed by men. We want God to see what we're doing, to, for him to say well done, and we don't have to worry about anybody else saying that. And so, Father, tonight as we do pray in the same way that you said if we or when we pray, when, when we give, we know that these are aspects of who we are and, and how we're supposed to give and live our lives on mission God, I, I thank you that um, ever since I was very young and, uh, and even throughout times of growing up in a single-parent house and uh, going as a college student and as a newlywed and having kids and um, going through different, uh, whether it was medical bills or financial needs or uh, home uh, payments or whatever it is, God, throughout every aspect of my life, you have been faithful. I have never been forsaken. I've never been in need. You have always taken care of my needs. My daily bread has always been covered. Sometimes I didn't know how the next day's bread was going to get there, but it was there every day, and you provided. And so, God, I thank you that at different times of my life where I can look back and say, God, you've been faithful then. I know that you've been faithful now, and you will continue to be faithful in the future. That when we give now, it's an opportunity for us to step back and say, God, how can we bless other people in the way that you've blessed us? God, everything that we have in this life, none of it goes with us. Uh, none of it we can sort of store away and uh, somehow uh, impact anything else and, and after we die, God. Uh, but what we do with it now and how you see it, how you perceive it, God, it does have so many ramifications of how we can bless people, how we can uh, continue your mission all around the world. And so, God, I do pray that uh, tonight that as... As a church, we will continue just to be able to look at the blessings you've given us and realize that we have been blessed in order that we can be a blessing to others. So in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the Equip Podcast. Make sure you get your notes and all of the downloads that you need to continue to be equipped for the work of the ministry. You can get all the resources for this episode or other Equip episodes at rockycreek.church.